In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Before the judge enters his courtroom, the bailiff loudly announces his arrival. All rise. The Common Pleas Court of Butler County, Ohio is now in session. The Honorable Michael Oster, Jr. presiding. And everyone stands up until the judge tells them to be seated. To be prepared for the judge is to rise. In a scene from the Martin Luther movie, the monk Martin Luther is visiting Rome, and announcements made that Pope Julius II is coming, and so everybody kneels along the road, and Pope Julius rides by in his golden armor like a, like a knight ready for battle. In the Navy, if a senior officer comes into the room, the first one to notice says, Attention on deck, and everybody stands up and salutes until they're saluted back and told to be at ease. People need to be prepared when an important person arrives. <clears throat> In our gospel reading today, John the Baptist is preparing people for the arrival of the long-promised Messiah, the Christ. God is arriving God is arriving clothed in flesh to do a great work. The Christ's arrival has been foretold in Scripture, and not only his arrival, but also the arrival of the one to prepare his way. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist is God's messenger preparing the way. Now for context, it's a dark time for the people of Israel. The ten northern tribes of Israel were taken into exile in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians, and they never returned. The southern two tribes are defeated by the Babylonians in 589, and many of them are taken into exile in Babylon. The Jews begin to return to Judea in 538 B.C., and the re rebuilt temple is finished in 516. Israel then is under the control of the Persians, who had defeated the Babylonians, but then they're under the control of the Greeks, who defeat the Persians in 332. The Jews rebel in 164 B.C. under Judas Maccabeus after the temple is desecrated by the Greeks, sacrificing pigs on the altar to Zeus. The Jewish rebellion is successful and they retake Jerusalem. And Hanukkah is established when one day of oil lasts eight days in the temple lights. But then the Roman Empire rises to power and Pompey the Great conquers Jerusalem in 63 B.C. Julius Caesar appoints Antipater to be proconsul of Judea, manage the financial affairs, and Antipater's son, Herod, gets in good with the right Roman authorities, and through many political moves, the Roman Senate declares Herod to be king of the Jews in 36 B.C. Herod the Great rules for 37 years is known for colossal building projects, including the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Herod is called king, but 
He answers to Caesar in Rome. At the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry, the Romans have ruled Israel for 67 years with two of Herod's sons and one Roman governor now in charge. When will the Jewish people be free? They have been through so much for so many centuries. The Messiah has been promised, but it's been so long and, and there have been false Christs. Judas the Galilean starts a revolt against the Romans in 6 AD. Many think he's the Messiah, but he's not. Will the Messiah ever come? The last prophet to preach of the coming Messiah was Malachi, 400 years earlier. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. When will the Messiah come? It has been 400 years of silence from the Lord. And then out in the desert, down by the Jordan River, there is a voice crying in the wilderness. The great and awesome day of the Lord is near. John the Baptist is the new Elijah preparing the people. And how do the people prepare? John proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. To be ready for Jesus is to admit you're a sinner who needs forgiveness and submit to receiving forgiveness in John's baptism. In all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem, we're going out to him. And we're being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. The Messiah is coming. And the one who is coming is so mighty that John is not worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. Because even though it does not look like it, John knows that Jesus is God in flesh. John is not worthy to even be near him. John is not worthy, but Jesus arrives the very next verse to be baptized by John. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus has promised to be here with you today to forgive you your sins. How did we announce his arrival? You rose, and I announced in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. These are the words with which you were baptized, and remind you that you are a baptized child of God as you begin worship. And then you knelt and acknowledged your status before God. You confessed that you are a sinner who is not worthy to be near the Lord. And the Lord forgave you all your sins. And is coming to you in Holy Communion. Advent means arrival. During Advent, we celebrate Jesus' threefold arrival. His first arrival as the incarnate Son of God as a baby in Bethlehem. 
His coming to you each Sunday in his body and blood in Holy Communion and his final coming on Judgment Day. Each week you prepare by remembering your baptism and confessing your sins and being forgiven. You prepare by rising for the reading of the Holy Gospel in, order, in honor of Christ. By preparing for Jesus' arrival here each week, you stay prepared for his third arrival when he comes again on the great and awesome day of the Lord. At John the Baptist's time, there were some who did not want to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. There are many today who do not want to submit to baptism and confession. It's a difficult thing to admit that you are a sinner. It's tough to confess that you're doing something wrong and you need to stop. To admit that you're a sinner is to acknowledge that you are not good enough. That you are in bondage to sin and you cannot free yourself. To admit that you're a sinner is to admit you're helpless. And being helpless is not a good feeling. It means you're vulnerable. Picture each of your sins as a link in a chain, and that chain is wrapped around and around you and locked with a big padlock. You can do nothing to free yourself from this bondage to sin and guilt. Jesus is the key and unlocks the lock and the chains fall off. You are in bondage to sin and Jesus is your Savior, so you cry out in despair, Save me! And Jesus saves you. To admit helplessness is to know that you cannot do it yourself. And to know if you are going to be saved, you need a Savior. It is to admit that you are poor in spirit. It is to be brutally honest that you are by nature sinful and unclean. And it's an ongoing struggle. Your sinful, prideful self does not want to admit to being helpless to sin. You naturally want to believe that you're good enough, that you can do it yourself. By nature, you want a do-it-yourself religion. A wise Lutheran theologian, Francis Pieper, wrote in the 1950s, saying there's just two religions. He says, there are but two essentially different religions. The religion of the law, that is the endeavor to reconcile God through man's own works. And the religion of the gospel, that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a religion of do and a religion of done. The religion of do is your natural religion. It's the one that feels most comfortable. It's the one that makes the voice crying out in the wilderness sound so radical. John calls for the people to repent, to turn away from sin and turn toward Jesus, to turn from a religion of do and receive the religion of done. Because it's such a natural fit, it is a great temptation for people and churches to give up on the religion of done and go back to religion of what can I do. The religion of do is a deception of the devil. 
because you cannot do it. The children of Israel went through the waters of the Jordan to enter the promised land after their exodus from Egypt. John the Baptist is having the people go into the waters of the Jordan to be forgiven and enter the kingdom of heaven, the reign and rule of God. In confession and absolution, you return to your baptism to remember you are forgiven and you are already under the reign of your Lord and Master, Jesus. The Gospel of Mark is a compact, fast-moving account of Jesus' gospel ministry bringing the good news. The first words, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Perhaps more literally, the beginning of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Gospel means good news. And what is the good news? It is finished. Jesus has paid the price for your sins. He has unlocked the chains of your sin and guilt and set you free to love God and love your neighbor because he first loves you. Mark writes in a very straightforward, concise manner. As Jesus begins his ministry, after his baptism and temptation, Mark records Jesus summing up Christianity in one sentence. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> 